riding coat was heavy with snow. He was weary and chilled, but there was something in that cry that moved him. A hard-bitten little man, leading always his own life, and telling everyone else to go to the devil, nevertheless he was sentimental too. So he turned his horse, crossed the bridge over the stream, and, followed by the six hounds, guided the animal through the snow, and, striking with his whip on the gate of the courtyard, hallowed three times. There was no answer at all. The silence settled down again. There was no sound but the thin, persisting cry. He hesitated as to his next step. He had met Harry's once and again, but had no intimacy with him. Indeed, no one had. He was said to be a queer customer, one not easy to deal with, one who would not thank you for uninvited interference. Gauntry was just like that himself, and, for that very reason, had always felt a sympathy with Harry's. He liked a man who told the world to go to the devil. It was what the world was meant for. Nevertheless, he was tired, cold, thirsty. Why should he put himself about for a man who would only curse him? Then something about the stillness of the house hit his attention. The place was but a ruin in any case. Under the snow he could fancy how the boards creaked and the chimneys rocked. He dismounted from his horse, pushed wide the old grumbling gate, the snow falling thickly from it, then, followed in silence by the hounds, crossed the courtyard. The house door was unbarred. The iron handle turned easily. He entered, to be met by two rusted suits of armour stationed at the foot of the stairs. Still there was silence everywhere, save for the lament of the child. How cold the house was! He shivered, drawing his cloak tighter about him. Then again he halloed. No answer. Where the devil were they hiding? Not a sound, not even a clock tick. Up the creaking stairs he went, the dogs padding after him. He came to a room hung with faded brown tapestries. There was a portrait of a wicked-looking old man in the dress of Elizabethan times, dead ashes in the stone fireplace, remains of a meal, bread, a mutton bone on the table. He called again. Harry's! Harry's! But this time softly. Something in the place constrained him. Lord, how cold the house was! A narrow wooden stair led higher, so on he went, the hounds following, crowding one another on the stair, but making no sound. At the stairhead there was a room. He pushed the door, entered, then stood there looking. First he was aware that the snow was blowing in through a broken window and then that a child lay in a wooden cradle. It was the child's cry he had heard. Then he saw that in a chair near the bed an old woman was asleep, and at her side was a bottle, tumbled over, spilling its contents on the floor. 
Then, stepping forward, he saw father. On the bed a woman was lying. He saw at once that she was dead. Her red hair was spread about the pillow, her eyes were closed, and in her face there was a look of great peace and contentment. Mrs. Harry's. He had heard of her many a time, but had never seen her. She had been a gypsy girl when Harry's married her. She had run away from him and then returned. Harry's second wife, the only woman, they said, whom he'd ever loved. Gauntry bent forward and touched reverently the cold, thin hands. Yes, she was dead. Where, then, was Harry's? Roughly, he shook the old woman.